Just give us one hour, and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. If you like what you hear, connect with me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen or HH Talk Radio. Tweet at us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness and find us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness. Today we are talking about love, intimacy, relationships, and particularly we're focusing in on sexuality and the physical connection that we have with our partners and why it is so important in in helping us generate more happiness. Linda Carroll has worked as a couples therapist for over 30 years. She is also a life and love coach working by phone, Skype, or with a limited number of couples in the new style of concierge coaching, where she travels to their home or office for two to six days per year for private all-day sessions, offering ongoing Skype and phone sessions in between. In addition, Linda is a licensed therapist. She is certified in transpersonal psychology, imago therapy, and in the PEARS psychoeducation process. She has studied many modalities of psychological and spiritual work, and she's also certified in the HOT monogamy program. Oh, I can't wait to get into that with you, Linda, which helps couples create or recreate the passion that makes relationships thrive. Linda, welcome back. You've been a guest on our show in the past where you've talked about some of your books, Love Cycle, Her Mother's Daughter, and Remember Who You Are. Let's talk about the five sexuality cycles that occur in relationship. 
Okay, you know, the, um, the, our sexual life in relationship follows the rest of our, our life, our emotional life. And all of those cycles I talked about before, the merge, dis, dis, um, doubt, disillusionment, decision, and wholehearted love, they have a, a very similar pattern that they go through. Sex is, sex is very complicated, I, I think. So often I get couples referred to me from, um, from physicians where someone has come to see them or both have come to see them about, quote, a sex problem. For example, let me just say this right out of the bat, that if you lined up all the men, let's say 45 and over, at the Chicago airport <laughs> or a Home Depot, and you got <laughs> them to tell the truth, every at least one out of two of them, that's 50%, would say they had some kind of sexual trouble. And they would call it a dysfunction. They would say they have trouble getting an erection. They have trouble with ejaculation, premature ejaculation, not being able to. They have trouble with desire. They don't get turned on at all. Something is, quote, wrong. But what's really true is that 50% of all men over that age of middle life have that's they have a normal slowing down of libido and it takes forms of premature ejaculation having trouble with erection in other words it's there's nothing wrong with it it's not abnormal and in, i'm going to get into the cycles in a minute but i want to say this first is that interestingly enough in a long-term relationship it's most often men who stop it we think it's women i mean that's sort of the the consensus of the culture but it's actually men because Women talk about this with each other. They have babies and they say, oh, my gosh, my libido has just hit the dust. Or they go into menopause and they make jokes with each other. And women have done this since they've washed clothes at the well. But men don't go out on the golf course and one says to the other, you know, hey, Fred, how's your libido? I had a hard time last night. It just wouldn't work. (laughs) Um, They don't do that. Most of them don't do that. So they feel so much shame about connected to their image of themselves as a 24-year-old that they don't understand how natural it is when it happens to them. And so rather than talk about it, they just withdraw. I think that's, and so that's, that's kind of a, an overarching theme. There's many, but that's one of them. Um, if we talk about the, the cycles of relationship and how that fits into sex, it goes right along with it. And, of course, those aren't the only factors, but they're big ones because when we fall in love, when we're in the merge, that's the first stage where everything is wonderful and it's mediated by all kinds of chemicals, all kinds of hormones change. And, and it, those hormones that change that make us feel madly in love, that make mm-hmm. us feel sort of um, just kind of obsessed with our beloved, those same chemicals are an aphrodisiac. And... And what what happens is those hormones and neurotransmitters put out a lot of dopamine, PEA, PEA which is phenylethylalamine, the the chemical that's also found in chocolate and cocaine and gambling. Um, those are the chemicals that are found in the brains of people that are in the brain chemistry of people who are newly in love. And the reward center of the brain is engaged fully when we just think about that person. And therefore, what happens is the lust circuit is activated by all these hormones, by this potpourri of chemicals. And 
there, there is no trouble, usually sexually. And the two components of a sexual relationship, of, of sexual intimacy, let me say not sex, but sexual intimacy, they are emotional openness and physical closeness. And you can have one or the other, but, but you can't have sexual intimacy without both. And what happens in the emotional openness part is that often it's men who are less vulnerable, but in that merge, they're really open and soft and talk all night and say things they've never said about their lives. because They become reflective and introspective, and they share. And for women, their libido, who, who usually women's libido is about 10 times less than a men. Than men. In other words, men have about 10 times more testosterone than women. Now, none of this is true for all people all the time, but it's true for most of the people most of the time. And so women who have 10 times less testosterone are suddenly turned on, and they're saying, oh, my gosh, I found this. At last, somebody can turn me on. And men are saying, at last, I found someone who can keep up with me. And so in this first stage, merged sex, we just want to be so much a part of each other that just like sharing comes naturally and being vulnerable comes naturally, so does making love. And it happens that people, you know, it happens. I have a 78-year-old man I'm seeing. Oh, he's so wonderful. And he's fallen in love for the first time. He was. He was, he was in a marriage, but he not like this. He's like a 14-year-old, and he, his libido has really come on. So it, that doesn't always happen, but, but it did for him, and he doesn't know what's hit him. So that's merge sex. That's number one. Number two, I call post-rapture blues, and that goes right alongside of the second cycle of relationship, which is doubt and denial. When we start to notice the things that we fell in love with, they start to bother us. We begin to wonder if we're married to the wrong person. The hor- what's happening is the chemicals are wearing off, and the chemicals are decreasing, and as they do, the feelings of separation increase. The power struggles in the relationship start to happen. That's a normal thing. It happens with everyone. And the power struggle goes up, and then the fight-and-flight hormones increase and the lust and romance often decrease. And at that point, people may continue to have sex not as frequently, but let's say a woman has a has 10 times less testosterone than a man. What's happening is that they are beginning something which I call an infinity loop, which I'll talk about in a little while. But But what's happening is that she is feeling less like it. And he's feeling her pull away. And because they don't know this is normal, they start to think something's wrong with the relationship. And they're already in that stage anyway because it's not all perfect anymore. And that golden glow has has moved away and we find out we're with a, a regular human being who can be annoying at times, who's not like us. You know, one of the things that happens in the second stage is that that, that wonderful sort of euphoric sense that we've met our soulmate starts to decrease and we notice all the ways we're different where in the earlier phase of the relationship we noticed all the ways we were alike so as those things start to happen the sex slows down or it if it doesn't slow down it doesn't have as much heart in it and people that and and what i say to couples that i work with is this isn't a problem it's normal human nature and but what but what we because we don't know that it's normal we make stories up about it. He says, she's always rejecting me. She says, 
I can't even put my arms around him. All he thinks about is sex. You know, where did our relationship go? So I'm going to slow down for a minute and see if you have any questions at this point, because I know I've talked a lot. Well, we I doing? just I'm I, I'm dazzled by the simplicity uh, with which you've broken this down because it does make us understand that those of us who have been in long-term relationships, there are peaks and valleys. There are b- biological reasons why. There are emotional reasons why, and we need not cast aside our partners. We need to just be become aware evaluative and then take action and that's what i'm interested in talking with you about we're going to go to a break and when we come back i would love to um complete your description of the five sexual cycles and then perhaps give some tips to our listeners on how to help us re-engage and reconnect spice it up and um go hot with it you know why not okay that's great (laughs) Yeah, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back to learn more. Please visit Linda Carroll at lovecycles.org or lindacarroll.com. And on Facebook, the page is Love Cycles. And on Twitter, that handle is Love Cycles Linda. Here come the tunes. We will be right back and we will carry on the conversation about love, relationships, intimacy, and how to make better sexy time with your mate. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on t-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Love is in the air, in the whisper of the tree. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download this podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and share. Why? Because sharing is, is caring. And we are talking about intimacy and connection today. And I'm speaking with Linda Carroll. She is the author of several books, one including Love Cycles. And we're talking about sexuality and what happens to our sex lives and our libido in long-term relationships and the identifiable cycles. And Linda's going to share with us um, what to do about it as well. So Linda, prior to the break, we were talking about the five sexual cycles and you got through 
um, a couple of them. We, we have one, Merge, two, the post-rapture blues, and number five, of course, being wholehearted love. What's in between? Okay, here's what's in between. The third stage is when we really become disillusioned, real disconnection. And at that point, there's perfunctory sex or none at all. Do you know that one out of five couples have stopped having sex forever? They don't talk about it. They don't, they, they don't go near each other. And out of the four remaining couples, that three of them are not happy with their sex lives. Um, they, they, don't, they don't say that. And they do have sex, but they are either very, very uh, infrequent, and they're both, they both don't know how to say what they want, what they need. Okay, I'm so going to jump in it, here for one second, Linda, because I had a woman in my office the other day in a private session, and she's in her early 40s, been married for 20-some-odd years, and she, she revealed that she and her husband have not had sex in five years. That's right. And that's she doesn't very, know what you know to what do about common. it. I'm like, five years? She goes, yes, five years. Isn't that amazing? That is now that's not uncommon. And that's the thing. If you tell her that, that will that will help her get feel normal, not abnormal. And the other question is, who stopped? Did her husband or did she? She, you know, and and when men stop, they don't talk about it. And women think it's because they're not lovable. Something's wrong with them. Yeah. So yeah. that is really, I think that's really important. But, okay, let me get through this um, disconnection. Libido is also affected by, you know, at this point people have been together longer because the disconnected stage doesn't come in for a while. And both people say they want sex, but men and women often meet something very different. And libido gets redirected elsewhere. Affairs happen. People become work addicts, exercise addicts, technological um, addicts. Old taboos reenter. And what and excuses seem real? I'm not. I'm too old, too tired, too busy. But there's really all of the stuff that plays out between the couple takes on the sexual component too. Then you have to make a decision. And if you decide to continue together, and this is gonna this is gonna be also inclusive of what you want to talk about. Wholehearted love is when when we fall in love, we think we're half a person and we've met our other half. By the time we go through this journey, we realize, and I talk about this both in the Love Cycles chapter and the regular love cy- um, sex cycles in my book, Love Cycles, that in differentiation, we know we're two different people. And if you think about two circles separate, but when they come up together, they cross and they make a third circle in the middle. And that's the differentiation part. That's where it's some of me and some of you, of two whole people, not two halves. And at that point, we have a joined adventure. That's a really important concept, a joined adventure. At this point, we have learned how to talk to each other. You know, the number number one problem between all couples sexually is not talking about sex, not discussing it. And number two is desire differentiation. When one person has high desire, one person has low. And this needs, first of all, a conversation. Not too much of a conversation, because we tend to talk things to death. But we need some (laughs) conversation to acknowledge, you know what? We're both in different stages in our libido, and it doesn't mean that we don't love each other. So women misunderstand, especially when men pull away sexually. But if, even, if they're coming on all the time sexually, they misunderstand that. They think, all I am is a sex object. Why doesn't he talk anymore? Men misunderstand the woman's pulling away. If she loved me, she would want to have sex with me. Because here's the thing, we think our partner is us. And we don't know how to navigate 
uh, when we we project onto our partner, I'm not really t- I'm really tired of sex. He must be too. Or I always want sex. She used to. Therefore, she doesn't love me. So the first thing is understanding this is a natural, a normal um, stage of love. Second of all, look at the TED Talk by Esther Perel. She is absolutely wonderful, and she is the person most of all that talks about this. Um, in, in my Twitter, I have some quotes by her. It's, she's fabulous, and, and she talks about this being a natural stage. And this is what we can do to spice it up. Let's, let's, make it, let's make it juicy again. How do we do that? So the first thing that we do is we start to get creative. You know, the erotic thrives on the new on the interesting, not the predictable. A good long-term relationship thrives on the predictable and what and feeling we know our partner. That's what we need for family. That's what we need for continuity. But erotic, we don't fall in love with someone we know. We fall in love with mystery. How can we start to create that? You know, one time my husband and I were teaching a, sex, a sexual a hot monogamy weekend. We were so low in libido, it could be, we couldn't even see it. We were both about 60, 58 at that point. And we were laughing and saying, how can we go teach this class? We've got to spice it up. So we did this wonderful role play. We went to a restaurant and we pretended we didn't know each other. And he picked me up. We've been together since we were 35. He picked me up in a bar, in a, in a restaurant. He was sitting at the bar. I was sitting at the table. He came over and said, are you alone? And you know what happened? We had set this whole thing up, come separately. But when I thought this is so corny and hokey. I can't believe we're doing it. But when he walked over, I noticed how great he looked. And I, and I started to I said, well, I'm waiting for a friend, you know, but you can sit for a few minutes. He sat down, and I suddenly found myself trying to impress him. I've known this guy since I was 30 years old. I started hoping, did he notice was my lipstick on right? He's so, he's so handsome. All this stuff started happening, and he felt the same way. It was like this charged conversation. We can do in hot monogamy, Patricia Love talks about, and I talk about it in Love Cycles, how we can, in safe ways that are not dangerous to the relationship, what we can do is we can really juice it up. If we're willing to explore, we need willingness. We need to try some things differently. We need to be able to smile at each other. You know, sometimes long-term couples, they walk in the door and they hardly say hello to each other. Here's here's another thing that really is important. People reject this. They don't like it, but I think it's essential is to book time together. Don't book time together to have sex because that's a setup, especially if you haven't done it for a long time. But book time together to just start to re-explore. Get some books. Watch some TED Talks or films. Um, Whatever it is that turns you on, but book that time to give each other massages. It's amazing what happens when people stop having sex. They stop touching each other. And, you know, we have three components. We have desire. We have arousal number two, and number three, orgasm to sex. And our culture is fixated on one and three. It's all about desire, how you look, how turned on you are when the person walks in the door. When you've lived with someone 40 years and they walk in the door, you're not turned on too much. It's all the same old, same old. And and uh, an orgasm becomes harder and harder as you get older. But the big thing here is arousal. We can all get aroused, or most of us can. A massage can arouse you. Figure out how to work the arousal part, and it feels sort of counterintuitive to go from 
from no desire to arousal. It feels really strange to do that, but you get used to it after a while. And I think probably everyone knows the experience where they haven't had sex for a while and they start to make love and they think, my gosh, why don't we do this more often? So you, if you skip that first <laughs> Yes, it's part, true. You know, the eyes rolling in the back of your head. Oh my yes. God, I forgot it felt this good. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? So it I is true, but really, I want I think to just say something about the, the arousal phase, Linda. I don't mean to interrupt you, but this is this is key, especially for women. For men, um, you know, they are very um, uh, goal-driven, so it's all about the orgasm. And when right. and, uh, in my speaking exactly. with women, it's less about the orgasm and more about the arousal phase, which then leads to a more easy orgasm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. If you have one and if you don't, it's okay because the standards of 22 are not the same when you're 62. So sometimes if you, you, if you don't have an orgasm, enjoy the process. In Eastern um, religions or in Eastern um, philosophies, teach that the org- we should hold off our orgasms. It wastes our chi. I, I, yep. I know we don't believe that. I mean, that's not a belief of this culture, but there's something in everything to learn from. If we get orgasm fixed, then what happens? Men get caught up in, have you had an orgasm? Is it good for you? And if, you have, if you're having trouble having, if you're in menopause, I don't know how you can have an orgasm. Maybe, maybe people can, but it never worked for me. And it comes, I came back, you know, post-menopausal zest is a, was a real thing for me. But when we're in those places where we're really low libido, we can't have orgasms. And think about men who either have premature ejaculation or can't get an erection. You can still have really good sex. It's like when you yeah. go through, the, the, the older we get, we are less limited if we can become more expansive in including our idea of what good sex is. But if we're comparing ourselves to what we were at 30, we're in trouble. Does that make oh, sense? Oh, it's yes. It's, it makes perfect sense. To, to compare and, ourselves at 30 is a setup for really disappointment. However, I will say, you know, as, as I have aged, that my sexual experience with my partner, who I've been with for many years... You know, between he and I, it just gets better. You know, that, you know, when there's less worry about the children, less worry about conceiving, you know, because right. that's, you know, gone with the wind right now. It's right. more about right. the pure enjoyment. And so there's a liberation. It's more about enjoyment. And you, you know, you're not perfect at this point. You know, I think that that's, but you're also very lucky. That's rare. To have gotten that to happen without some intervention is really rare. Remember, four out of five couples who are, over 50 are not happy with their sexual relationship. So I think well, that's, you know, yes, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say that I, that, I, that I do feel fortunate. And, and for those of you who are listening or know of somebody who is challenged, I really urge them to visit your website, lovecycles.org, or visit your personal website, lindacarroll.com. And the book, which I have referred myself to countless clients, is Love Cycles. Um, and your Facebook page, I'm going to give the plug for all your social media because we are out of time, Linda, and that means you will just have to come back because this is such a juicy topic. Facebook, it is Love Cycles, and the Twitter handle is at Love Cycles Linda. The quick wrap-up, and then we got to skedaddle. Okay. Um, the quick wrap-up wrap is that we're not the same. Men are visual. They love what they see. Women are emotional. Women love to text. Men don't like words as much as women. They want to do the talk on the phone, hang up. We've got to start seeing how we are different. And the loop of this, which is that the more 
I want that that we have these two components. Men say, if you want to be close to me, let's have sex, and women say, if you want to have sex, let's be close. And <laughs> and if we start to unloop that by being able to to talk about the differences, laugh at them, and then just get on with giving each other pleasure, we can overcome so much poor will and and overcome so much misunderstanding. It is so possible to start it again. All you need is willingness and courage. Go for it. We are going to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation about love, relationships, intimacy, and making great sex with your mate. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Kamen has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Saturday afternoons on 97.5. Joy riding the coast with a global vibe, pleasing your ears and inspiring your mind. Joy riding the coast with me, Lisa Cypress Cayman. Saturdays, 2 to 5, on 97.5. KBU and RadioMalibu.net. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about sexuality and well-being today. It's a juicy subject and one that often does not come up in our day-to-day conversation, and yet sexuality is the life force within us that when channeled um, appropriately and positively makes magic happen within ourselves and with our partners and our relationships. My next guest is Michaela Bohem. She teaches and counsels internationally as an expert in intimacy and sexuality. Born and raised in Austria, Michaela combines her background in psychology with her in-depth training in the yogic arts into a unique offering of experiential learning. Michaela is currently the only counselor and teacher personally trained and authorized by David Data. Michaela is passionate about teaching skills that enhance deep intimacy, 
strong lasting attraction, and gives each participant the tools for full embodiment and capacity. She teaches workshops for women, for men, offers mentorships and relationship counseling. Michaela lives and teaches on a small organic farm in Ojai, California, where her land and animals inspire her to reconnect intimately with clients and themselves. And I think I just completely got that backwards, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. And roll with it because I think we all get what we're talking about. Welcome, Michaela. It's lovely to have you with us. Thank you for having me. What delights me about your work is the concept of how we can imbue our sexuality with spirituality, how when we are creating intimate moments with our partners and with ourselves, not always in the sexual context, but how there is a sacred or holy space that is created within that framework. Yes, Um I don't even know where to begin to say how important that is uh, just because um, uh, it's a very dicey topic for most people. Most people get taught and educated in all kinds of different ways. Um, You know, even in school, we learn things that uh, are not necessarily applicable to uh, everyday living, but that are important to kind of form a foundation, but we are never actually taught how to relate to another human being intimately and sexually. It's something that um, is pretty much just conveyed through how our parents are with each other. And uh, nowadays, it's pretty much just media images and um, internet and things like that in addition. So most people have never actually received an education in what then becomes the foundation or the most basic um, movement towards you know, being with another person, uh, procreating, having deep relationship, having children, having sex. And, um, you know, so that's that's the first piece in it. And then the second piece is that um, culturally it's not necessarily then associated with the bigger picture of uh, spirituality or one's relationship with, uh, you know, um, spirit in, in whatever way it is. Uh, uh, occurs for the individual. So that whole area is uh, pretty much left to the devices of, um, you know, pop culture, uh, religion, society, and not really encouraged to become something that people naturally explore as they grow up. And when we talk about intimacy, we're not talking about the act of sex. That is just one form of the expression. And I think that is a very very important detail and a very important uh, factor in the work that you do. And I would love for you to define intimacy a little bit deeper and to talk about how the creation of intimacy with oneself must exist prior to extending it to another. Mm. Well, there are several layers to to um, address here, and the way I see this for myself and the way I teach it is essentially that, um, of course, intimacy with oneself is the basis of all intimacy with anything, really. And uh, 
intimacy being defined, not sexual at all. Um, you know, that sexual intimacy is a different story altogether, which we can get into a little bit later. But intimacy is simply the ability to be able to be present, willing, <laughs> present, uh, and able uh, to connect with another human being or even with an animal or with nature. You know? And what that intimacy um, entails is a willingness to allowing oneself to feel. You know? So intimacy is essentially based on being able to feel oneself and another and able to stay with another in moments of um, tension or uh, contraction or unwillingness. And uh, that particular ability can be trained like... Um, you know, like anything else, really. Uh, it's it's a muscle. And uh, there's many reasons why people don't want to be intimate, which we can also talk about. But most people can learn how to be intimate the same way they, they can learn how to ride a bicycle or, or things of that nature. It does, however, require the willingness to feel. And that willingness to feel isn't always present based on people's upbringings, trauma patterns, or habits. You said something very important, that intimacy is the willingness to feel. And in a society, in the Western world at least, where we're in a very fast-paced, stress-laden, day-to-day life, exhaustion is ever-present, being Mm -hmm. in a stress state is what many of us find ourselves to be in on a daily basis. And when we are in that state, it is very challenging to slow down to feel, A, and B, to create good connection with your partner when you're feeling disconnected from yourself. Yes. Um, It's becoming less and less uh, common for people to have even the most basic skills around that because in a certain way, uh, when you are feeling and when you can feel what's happening in your body and when you can be honest with what's actually happening in your body, in your emotions, in your mind, that requires um, a certain kind of honesty and action uh, in your life. You know, If you could really feel what the what the day-to-day stress does to your uh, system, you'd have to slow down. Um, and if you would, could really feel what the day-to-day, um, you know, stress does to your relationship, you would have to slow down. So uh, the way things are um, set up at this particular moment in time for most people, it's not an um, environment that engenders deep feeling to begin with and it certainly uh, isn't always helpful to feel very deeply because it actually slows you down and uh, it makes you have to confront certain things um, that in the short term might make somebody a little bit less productive Uh, not Mm. in the long term in the long term you're becoming actually way more productive if you can um, use your energy wisely and uh, if you don't waste energy on pushing, pushing, pushing. But the short term feels very precarious um, because th- those feelings and the things that occur um, can be, particularly if they haven't been felt in a while, they can be quite strong. 
Yet people crave it, you know, just crave connection, crave intimacy, crave um, a, a depth of experience. And we're hardwired for it. Humans are designed to be connected, to be physically intimate with one another, emotionally intimate with one another. And yet when we are tired, stressed, exhausted, depressed, disengaged, we are less likely to engage and connect in the very acts of love and connection that ultimately sustain us. Sex being one of them, by the way, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sex just being one, one of many expressions of that, and uh, uh, you know, I mean, this this goes down to even parenting and how children are treated, and uh, I mean, it, it, and the health um, implications of um, not being able to connect, but wanting to is uh, is quite uh, substantial. I uh, work with clients who are undergoing um, addiction recovery and trauma Mm -hmm. recovery. And one of the things that we talk about often in our groups and in our sessions is about, you know, reconnecting physically with our partners. And Mm -hmm. when we are in that stress state, well, we don't necessarily want to lean into that. And yet it is one of the very um, acts that relieves tension, creates more intimacy, and yet we pull away. It's yes. this push-pull, this, the, the, the polarity, as, as you write about. Yes. Well, one of the things that's always uh, important to know is that the, um, uh, the movement towards um, doing is, uh, is, is um, very... I want to say, when we say addictive, not in the, the the sense that substances are addictive, but it's compelling. And often it is uh, not possible for people to um, kind of snap out of that because it's kind of a self-generating process. You, know, you want more and more and more and more and more of something uh, that feels good, which is getting something done, pushing through something. And... Um, the, the the act of stopping and connecting and feeling brings up all the things that have been pushed down or um, you know neglected or put uh, put aside and like you said um, often I also uh, you know worked in a rehab for quite a while so um, um, often the the drugs are one way to not have to feel so much because the trauma is um, just Uh, too much, there's too much feeling happening at once. And that's where the work comes in, to uh, work with ourselves, to receive support, to build the emotional muscles required to be okay with what we feel. And that's the challenge. Yes. Yeah, it's it's an invitation. A lot of what I'm doing these days is an invitation to resensitize. Uh, you know, an invitation to um, allow for a fuller expression and a fuller feeling um, with oneself and then with a partner. And this is beautiful work. We're going to go to a break. To learn more about Michaela Bohm, please go to MichaelaBohm.com. On Facebook, it's Michaela. It's the reverse. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll carry on the conversation about being connected with the sacred self and how we can bring that um, sense of reconnection back to our partnerships with our loved ones. Here come those tunes. We'll be right back. If you feel like- 
Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress-Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. Be a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Wow. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't If you're just joining us now, we are talking about sexuality, about well-being, about creating sacred intimacy with ourselves and our partnerships and our relationships at large with Michaela Boehm. And we're talking now about the loss of attraction. What happens, Michaela, when we're in a long-term relationship or marriage and either there's a loss of attraction or a waning of the uh the uh, um, the lovemaking, uh, mm-hmm. or in in a long term relationship, things just become the same. How do we yes. restore this level of um, sacredness to the relationship? Well, one of the things that's uh, very important to know, which is not um, you know the first thing that one thinks about, is that uh, relationship is based on sameness, right? The way we get attracted to somebody relationally, we are uh, finding common ground with them, common interest with them. So the, um, uh, the best relationship is the relationship between two people who share a lot of um, interests. And polarity, which is sexual attraction, um, is based on being as different as possible. So right there lies a, a bit of an issue simply because the, um, the very thing that makes us, um, you know, strongly attracted to somebody sexually um, also uh, makes it that we don't get along that great because we're very different. And um, in, the, in the opposite way, when we have really, really good, deep um, relationship and we're very much the same, we're not very strongly attracted because polarity is the arc. It's the arc mm. of um, attraction between two opposites. 
And uh, as anybody knows, you know, often in, in the beginning when people meet, they have this really strong sexual attraction, which is based on the fact that they don't actually know each other that well. So it's all new and it's exciting. And you come together in these um, amazing ways because everybody prepares for the dates and, you know, does what, what uh, creates the optimum effect. And then people... Um, get into relationship and suddenly they become more and more and more the same. Suddenly it's all about doing things together and spending a lot of time together and having common friends and common interests, which of course rubs off the polarity, so to speak. It's like two magnets uh, being rubbed together. Eventually they depolarize and that's what happens in most relationships that last long enough for that to take place. <laughs> uh, particularly if there's a very strong movement towards um, doing a lot of things together. And um, then, you know, what happens is people say things like, well, he's my best friend or, um, you know, we have such deep love, but there's just no sex. And then, you know, of course, the inevitable things happen. You know, people get dissatisfied. They either start cheating or they open the relationship or uh, they they suppress the whole thing and and you know put it somewhere else. And um, it's it's quite tragic because finding the depth of love and relationship that most people develop is very hard. There's not that many people with whom you are that compatible, but sexual polarity is actually something that you can produce at will if you know what you're doing because it follows um, certain rules, so to speak. Tell us. <laughs> well, uh, the, the most important piece is the being as different as humanly possible. Now, what that, of course, practically means is, um, and that is talked about in, in many, many, many different ways by many different people. When we talk about polarity, we talk about um, repolarizing the relationship by one partner taking on the more masculine aspect of human existence and one partner taking on the more feminine aspect of human existence. And I'm saying specifically one partner and the other because it's not necessarily related to men and women. And it gets conflated and then it becomes a, almost a gender war, which we can talk about a little bit later. What it is is that in every human being, there is aspects that are more masculine in their nature and, more, and there's aspects that are more feminine in their nature. And depending on a, a variety of factors, every human being sits somewhere on that spectrum that feels the most pleasing. And um, for most women, not all women, but for most women, uh, when everything else is stripped away, that are the more feminine aspects. But that doesn't mean that women don't have um, masculine, right? They do, because that's what you need when you have to go to work and find directions and make a list and plan things. So structure and... Um, a certain kind of a forward motion and a certain purpose and ability to have a bigger picture considered masculine in it, in their nature. The ability to flow and, let's say, multitask and enjoy um, children and animals and puppies and colors and textures and friends and music is considered the more feminine. I'm making this purposely very black and white. There's, there's a lot more to it. But in general whoever in the relationship enjoys more the relational communal aspect of uh, relating 
with all the pleasures that that brings is considered the more feminine as you know the more feminine partner in the relationship and whoever enjoys a, a certain kind of a structure and forward motion uh, a lack of distraction a starkness um, that comes from you know focusing on one thing at a time and focusing well is considered the more masculine aspect now, in many relationships, that has been reversed simply because women in today's workforce had to train themselves to become extremely f- good in the masculine domains. And most men, in the course of women's liberation, uh, have trained themselves to be much more sensitive and available um, and feeling than, than they've ever been. So most humans now can do both really, really well. But when everything's stripped away, most humans have a, um, a, a you know, preference, if only sexually speaking. There's one partner that likes being taken more than taking, and there's one partner that likes taking more than being taken. And it's that simple. It's like whoever wants to penetrate, so to speak, figuratively and, and uh, lit- you know, literally is the more masculine partner. And whoever wants to be penetrated is the more feminine partner. So then what, what needs um, some attention when you want to reinvigorate a relationship is that each partner gets to do things that um, reinvigorate their essence. David Data calls it the sexual essence. And um, the way you do that is you spend time apart and then come back together. And in the time apart, you do the things that best bring forth the characteristics that you want to, um, you know, enjoy sexually. And in the time apart, what I assume you're also saying is that the the tension then begins to build, that you're building Mm -hmm. this energy of desire, of excitement, of curiosity. Yes, because, you know, I mean, when you when you look at it, uh, I mean, just from a very logical viewpoint without going too much into the theories of masculine and feminine, when people first date, it becomes this exciting thing. Um, you 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 know, you get ready, you take time away, you go home early. When you're a woman, you put your hair together, you do your nails, you wax, you whatever you do, right? You, you make yourself, <laughs> <So true. laughs> you know, you do the things that make you feel beautiful and radiant and, and alive. And most men, uh, when they go on a date, you know, they put some thought in, where are they taking the woman? Uh, what are they planning, right? They, and And these are the principles that we're talking about. Then later, you know, people sit together on the sofa. Nobody does anything other than, uh, you know, touch the remote control. And they wonder why the polarity is rubbed off. Well, because the things um, that, you know, that used to be uh, so exciting are no longer being done. You know, I had a chuckle when you're talking about the remote control, because <laughs> obviously what, what, you know, in its best case scenario, the remote control that you're speaking of metaphorically is located somewhere completely different than the, <laughs> exactly. than the device on the sofa, you know? <laughs> yes, but for that, you once again have to feel yourself and feel the aspects of yourself that are motivated to connect and motivated to 
um, engage. Yeah. And uh, it's a it's a loaded topic. We could go on for hours, and I know we don't have much time left. But uh, you know, if there's one last tip to give people who want to reinvigorate their relationship, it is the remembering the mechanics of what made it a great date and just replicating those things, spending time apart, coming together, somebody planning something, somebody um, enjoying uh, becoming, you know, beautified or radiant. It doesn't have to be uh, shallow or, you know, e- external. It's just a feeling of a, of a certain kind of a joy and an excitement. Well, I don't think it's shallow at all. I think actually what you're suggesting is something that comes from the inside out, the act of beautifying or preparing for the date or the lovemaking or the engagement starts from that flame within. Exactly. That level of intimacy we spoke about in the beginning. I wanted so to get into the changing role of men and women in relationships and, and the gender wars and all of that, but we've run out of time. So we're going to make another show. And yes. I'm going to continue this conversation because I think that it's one that is very important and yes. it is confusing our young people today. They don't very know what much to- so. And particularly men at this particular moment in time having a very hard time finding where they where they belong. And it's it's very important to to look at this a bit different nowadays. I agree. And I invite you back and we will uh, have our producers organize that for us. <laughs> Great. So we've run out of time for today and I wanted to give your contact information one more time. Yes. The website is MichaelaBoem.com. On Facebook, it is Boem.Michaela, reversed. And thank you for being with us, Michaela. You are a delight. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guests Linda Carroll and Michaela Boehm wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. And thanks to our producers who make us shine each and every week. We appreciate you. Go out and make it a great one. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on TogiNet Radio. Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable podcasts available at iTunes. To learn more about Lisa's filmography, felicitation, and philanthropy, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Each week, Harvesting Happiness presents engaging trendsetters, exploring our world through science, art, medicine, media, music, philosophy, politics, and the human heart, whose perspectives on life are sure to inspire, provoke, and engage. Lisa's diverse guests are a proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Like Lisa says, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following us on Twitter at hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Then join us again next week at this same time on the TogiNet Radio Network.